Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. All right, we're going to wrap into this. I'm excited for this conversation. Another attempt to revitalise and align the global rugby calendar is underway this week as Dublin plays host to meetings with the powers of the international game, a nation's championship concept. They will see six countries from the each hemisphere play a top division year over competition culminating in a grand final. This has been tabled and dismissed previously, but the context of the COVID pandemic and private equity interest in the sports growing, a major commitment could be in the works. Alex Lowe is a rugby correspondent for The Times and he had exclusive details on this story. He's on the show right now. Morning, Alex. Good morning. Hello from London. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate it. Exciting news for me, personally. It's Izzy here, mate. I'm pretty excited about this new concept. Are you? Do you know what? I, I am, yes. Um, I know there are some critics of it and, and some opponents of it, but I think that the biggest guide for me um, is that, that the players' unions are behind it mm. and the emerging nations are behind it. And as you mentioned, it had been tabled before. This is a, a different version of the plan that yep. came up for discussion in 2019. And at that, that time, the players and the emerging nations had been locked out of all the talks and they were dead against it. And I, th- I sort of take a cue from, from those guys, really. If, if the players are happy and, and the emerging nations feel that this is a model that will help them grow and it'll help, it'll help us grow the sport so we have more competitive teams, we can get different nations into the quarterfinals of a World Cup. If they're behind it, I think that's a really good indication that, that we're on the right road to a structure that can help the global game instead of just making the rich richer. Alex, who's behind, who's behind the big push? Is it the Northern Hemisphere or is it the Southern Hemisphere? It's, it's a joint effort, if you like. It's, it's Six Nations and Sansa. It's, it's not being led by World Rugby. They're facilitating the conversations, but... Certainly the Six Nations who've got now got private equity investment, they've already taken a, a step along the way to this by um, pooling all the television rights for the November test matches. And, and you, you'll have noticed last year um, there were no overlaps in kickoff times. So they could maximise exposure and, and, and television income. And, then, and they pooled it all. All those rights 
arrangements were done as one in the belief that that will drive up the overall uh, size of the pie, if you like. Um, and, and that's the general idea here. But if you if you create a narrative, create a competition out of the July test matches and the November test matches, um, and you pool all the resources and all, and all the revenues, then actually it will be better for everybody. Now, mm. the biggest sticking point, I understand, is, is going to be how they, they reach that, that, that revenue sharing agreement. And revenue sharing has been one of the biggest friction yeah. points um, uh, over the years. You, you'll remember, I remember a few years ago, New Zealand were, were coming to Twickenham and, and were arguing that they deserved a, a cut of the money because the RFU could, could sell tickets for, for more for higher prices because the All Blacks were in town. But the model didn't allow for that. And the RFU suggested, probably unhelpfully, that, that New Zealand should probably go, go build their own stadium rather than have lease agreements. And that kind of friction hasn't helped. It now feels like there is a, a, a movement towards creating a model that works better for everybody. And one of the issues on the table this week is um, if the World Rugby wants an indication from the major unions that they're prepared to try and make this work and, and create some revenue-sharing arrangement, my, my understanding is that, is that the six nations are, are more unified on this than the Sanzar nations, you guys would, would know more, just because of the politics that's happened with, with Sanzar and, and the end of Super Rugby and, and, and such like, that um, they need greater alignment to bring it all together. And, and that's one of the key elements of the talks in Dublin this week. What are the, what are the feelings of the big the big wigs? You know, you got the Welsh, the French, and, and the English. Are they committed to to a change and allowing the South to come up and maybe dictate things a bit more? We know the North dictate a lot of the you going forwards with world rugby being situated up in the North. Are they are they saying much about this proposed change? They're keeping their powder dry at the moment publicly. But um, the fact that, from what I can gather from talking to various sources who are in and around those talks, there is a will to try and get this done up here. Like I say, they're already moved in that direction with um, with the November test, the Autumn Nation series, as they now brand it. And with CVC, the private equity firm on board, you know, they, don't, they don't get involved in things where, um, without a, a lot of detail and a lot of um, understanding of what the upside is. And and we, we were told yesterday that, that there's a, a projection that if this was if this competition was to come off, then the global sport would be worth at least 40% more. And that's the kind of industry that the CBC and Silver Lake with, with New Zealand, that's why they get involved in, in, in rugby, because they see the potential there. And I think that influence, you mentioned it at the top, that influence of, of private equity is, is, is quite strong in, in driving the sport to a place where you know, it's tried to get to at times before. I had a message from someone yesterday who, who first tabled this kind of idea in 2009 and it was dismissed out of hand because of, no one would, would engage in, in revenue sharing. Well, that's mm. back on the table again. Um, and there is optimism from people involved that, that this, this, this time, probably the third time it's been on the table, it, it could work. That's my question, Alex. Around private equity, like, like, who, where is that all that money coming from? Is that like from Murdoch? Is it from you know the the Silver Lakes of the Amazons, those type of people? And if the problem is money, why don't if they're making that much money, why don't they make it across the board where people can't refuse it? Is that what the talks are about? Because because you're right, the All Blacks 
and the English and the Welsh, they all bring their own, I guess, um, uh, story and narrative to the table, which deserves to be paid yeah. for. But does that private equity conversation then take that off the table and say, well, you're actually going to, if you're saying 40% of private equity is, is lifting the, the money in the game, isn't that conversation now removed and, and it's just a decision? Yeah, it, it'll be about, so the 40% uplift, that, that would come from the greater commercial value of a, of a global competition that would reach a climax with a grand final and the drama at the bottom of promotion and relegation playoffs, um, ticket sales, television, you know, they would project that by, by creating a narrative around fixtures that already happen, but they happen as one-off games or as mini-series, they think they could sell that package for more money to broadcasters, um, you know, whether it's Amazon, like you say, or uh, and the commercial value would, would be higher. That's where they think the uplift is. The, the, the complexity of that uh, of the financial discussion is all about, let's take Wales as an example. Wales plays four games every November. The fourth one is outside of the window. Last year it was against New Zealand, and, and they, they had a weakened team. But they need that fourth game because it helps the union break even for the year. If in this current in this plan, if you had you had your three tests in November and then a final and relegation playoffs, Wales would need to if Wales weren't in the final, they would need to be certain that they wouldn't be losing out financially and that they could get a cut of the bigger pie to at least make sure that they are where they are now, if not better off. But and at least every every country will have their own their own issues with that now. Fascinatingly for me, Fiji are a country that would bring really nothing commercially to the table. Mm. But if but if they had regular test matches against what had been known as Tier 1 nations, the value that, that an enhanced Fiji team would bring to the global game would be enormous because of because of how attractive they are as a, as a rugby nation and, and the kind of the, the heart and soul of, of the sport we love. You know, we all want to sit back and watch watch Fiji play they wouldn't bring any any kind of real money to the table but mm. the value that they would bring to the sport and being able to play these test matches would be, would be enormous so every, every country's got its own situation and that that's the complexity of trying to find a formula that fits for everyone and it means some countries have to give some stuff up but they'd be giving it up for the greater good and, and the hope that that we can we can grow the game and, and have more teams competing to make the quarterfinals of a world cup in, in years to come. Yeah, that's my next question about the promotion and relegation. Um, obviously, a great opportunity for the, the, the smaller nations to be a part of this big kind of uh, involvement in this tournament. Um, with the private equity and the investment in the Six Nations and, and from CVC and, and Silver Lakes, is there a bit of part, of, like you just spoke about Fiji and, and potentially with um, Samoa and Tonga down under, if if they are able to be relegate, uh, promoted up the north, you've got Italy that are potentially looking at it being relegated, and you've got Georgia, you know, you've got some nations that potentially don't have a lot of the funding. Are they a part of the talks of maybe getting a slice of that pie, like you said, that they're not going to bring in any any broadcasting money, but are they going to still get a slice of the pie so we can help these young, smaller nations develop? Yeah, I, I believe so. And the plan, so th- th- there would be no relegation from the Six Nations, which was one of the issues that, that, okay. that halted the talks last time. So the Six Nations of the Rugby Championship would remain as sort of privately run competitions, which they are now. This would, The promotion relegation would only happen in this, let's call it the Nations Championship. It doesn't have a name yet, but the, this yep. global competition. 
and there would be there'd be a playoff. There'd be a Northern Hemisphere playoff and a Southern Hemisphere playoff for the two the two lowest ranked teams from from the North and the, and the South. And that the current working model is that Japan and Fiji would join the top competition, and the the secondary competition, which is been called the Challenger Divisional Challenger Series or something like that, um, would contain yeah Samoa, Tonga, Georgia, USA, Chile, and they would they play in a similar way. A lot of those matches would happen in one country to cut down on travel costs. But from what I'm told, they're all they're all well behind that idea. And then yeah, the top two would would get the chance to play off and get promoted. And my understanding is that part of the the overall pie would go to those countries. Now the mm. second tier nations like Samoa have already indicated that they'd be they're prepared to give up what is currently a guaranteed fixture every every November against a, a, a tier one nation. So whether it's England at Twickenham or Wales in Cardiff, that's that's secured at the, under the current San Francisco fixture arrangement. They're all prepared to give that up in order to join this new competition. And in return, they would get the better performing teams in that second tier in a Lions year when this competition won't run, they would have inbound tours. So you could have an England team, admittedly without their Lions players, coming to play the Test Series in Tonga or, or Samoa or go to Chile mm. if they're one of the top performing countries. And that's, that doesn't happen at the moment. Mm. So it would guarantee fixtures against Tier 1 nations, but perhaps not as regularly, but it would also it would provide an opportunity to join that top tier. And then you'd, if you get promoted, then you'd get 11, 11 of those games. Alex, it sounds like a GP series or Grand Prix that they're trying to put together, obviously with the private equity to pay for people. Because, to be brutally honest, second tier nations will will happily hand up their their opportunity to play a, a tier one nation if the money's right. So that's a given. But yeah. given that you're putting all this together, how how much do the northern clubs need to buy in this? Is it is it dependent on them buying into it? Seems that they have the better competitions club club wise up there. Yeah, the the, the one issue that the that the clubs have. Uh, because there are no extra games being arranged, the, the only issue the clubs have is what happens on that fourth weekend of November um, mm. because the, the World Rugby um, international window is only three weeks long. And so any, all those, those fourth games, like Wales against New Zealand last November, that's outside. So the, the, they're not required to release players for it. And so that's the weekend where there'd be a grand final and relegation playoffs and potentially other games in the middle, although that is unlikely. So they would need some compensation or there would need to be a financial arrangement reached or World Rugby would need to change the Regulation 9 uh, release period. And perhaps that might then, one of the, 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 the suggestions that could lead to the Six Nations being contracted. So currently they have two rest weeks in the Six Nations. If you lost one of those rest weeks, could, could you add... Would, would they allow um, an extra international week to be added on in November? But broadly, the clubs are behind it um, mm. because it doesn't really impact them any more than, than the current situation. It would just need um, a, a agreement on relief. I think there are around 100 players in the Premiership in England who could play a test match for another country every on a November weekend, probably more in France with, with all the Georgians that, that they have and South Africans playing, playing in France. But the clubs are... The clubs are broadly behind it. Um, they will just—they'll just ask for their slice of the financial pie as well if they're asked to release the players for for that fourth weekend. What the clubs are most interested in, certainly in England, from my understanding, is actually getting a club World Cup agreed. Yeah, and that, I think that's actually easier to do yes. because 
the seasons align. We want to see that, Alex. We want to see it. Yeah. So well, so, <laughs> so do we. You know, we've, we've just had the, um, the European Cup quarterfinals this weekend, and there were some absolutely incredible games. And you can just imagine watching a Leinster what about or a Toulouse. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that doesn't happen very often, does it, in rugby? But it, but that no. was 100 minutes of blood and thunder. 40,000 Munster fans had, had had to travel to, to Dublin from Limerick because Ed Sheeran had a gig at their stadium. And they turned it sort of Toman Park on tour. Just the, the vibrancy and the tribalism. And imagine that against the Crusaders or, 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 or the Chiefs. Yeah. It, would be, it would be brilliant. And, and that's what the clubs in England are really... They're happy to go along with this because they want... They want World Rugby to endorse a Club World Cup. Oh, mate. I've, I've, we've been asking that for years. They do it in league, and I think it'll go great in the game of rugby, mate. We appreciate you on the show, Alex Lowe. Very insightful, great detail, and uh, we appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much. Anytime, guys. Good to talk to you. Awesome. What a champion, Alex Lowe, over, uh, over in the UK. Give us a text, double eight double three or 0800 150 if you want to have a chat about what you've just heard. Are you for? Are you against? I'm all for it, man. I love it. Just innovative, exciting, something new, especially the last one, the clubs. Crusaders taking on the Saris over there, the Harlequins, whoever, Toulouse. It's got to happen. Anyway, we'll be back shortly. Make sure you send us a text, double eight double three, or even better, give us a call, 0800 150 You listen to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.